You're listening to So What's Your Story, a podcast about writers and writing. I'm Tony Russo. On each episode, my co-host Stephanie Fowler and I speak with authors about the story behind their story to get out what they do and why they do it. Today, our guest is author William Anthony Connolly. Connolly, yeah. Connolly, there we go. Uh, Who has a new novel just coming out now titled The Smallest Universe. His book, The Obituaries, was a bestseller in Canada, and his other works have been featured in The Rumpus and The Elephant Journal. This new novel centers on Mary Cross, a woman diagnosed with schizophrenia who works to untangle her own story. And with that, we have so much to talk about. So welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Well, thanks for having me. What I I think is such a great idea for a show. You know, so what's your story? And uh, yeah, come on and talk about their books. So thank you Absolutely. very much. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to have you on because, like, as you mentioned, the, you know, the kind of the impetus for our podcast was, you know, if we, you go to a bookstore and you see all these books on a shelf, but what made the author choose that topic, right? Like, why did they pick to, you know, because as writers, we spend all this time and energy and blood, sweat, tears dumping in, you know, dumping everything that we have into a topic or a storyline. So why did we pick that? So I guess maybe the first question I'll pitch to you is, you know, where did the smallest universe sort of originate for you? You know, it's, I'm a firm believer that writers tend to um, think about and write about and mull the same thing themes throughout their writing careers. And mine has always been a sense of uh, belonging, uh, of home. I'm a son of of immigrants and I'm an immigrant myself. I'm a first generation um, Canadian. My my parents were Scottish and Irish uh, and they immigrated to Canada in the the 50s. And then my wife and I have uh, came here in 97 and so this idea of home and belonging and your origins and uh, what makes you you has always has always haunted me. Uh, and uh, I'm a firm believer in writing every day. I'm one of those writers that, that writes every day, at least something. And um, I've always written about a, a sense of place and belonging and, uh, you know, how those things shape who you are. And so, you know, when I started to read, this is a, this book actually took decades to write. I'd actually been writing about this probably since the uh, early 1990s. Uh, And I started to be really interested in um, the Big Bang Theory. Now, it's going to make it sound like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a scientist or something, and this book is about science. It's not. Um, <laughs> don't take any science from my books. Uh, but I just was really fascinated with this idea that something like a black hole can be such an ominous force in the universe, and yet its origins were mysterious. They don't know ultimately how they're formed. And you can't look at a black hole. You have to guess of where a black hole is based on how other things around it wobble. So they sure. know that's a big black hole. And so I started to think, wouldn't it be fascinating, in particular to a character, if they had an incident that happened to them that they still felt the wobble effect in the things that were around them uh, for the rest of their lives and they tried to figure out what that thing was. 
Sure. And so that's sort of where the the smallest universe came from. Is I, I wanted to create a character in Mary Cross, who was a universe in and of herself, and just sort of you know the typical question that we all ask you know you know where did I come from? Why am I the way that I am? Uh, and and I wanted her to to struggle with that, uh, and uh, and play with this idea of. These, these, these origins or these places where something happened and our lives move on and how we, how we get that back to that place to sort of figure out uh, why we are the way that we are. You said you were working on the book for a long time. Did Was much of that kind of caught up in figuring out what it would be like to be in that position, to be in, to be in the character's position? Uh, that's a good very interesting and complex question, Tony. And I'll tell you, it's because um, it's both a personal story to me, uh, and it's a and it's a story that I thought would be fascinating to readers. And so the personal story is, is that um, uh, I, I had for many years an undiagnosed mental illness, and I could never figure out. Uh, because I did not know why I was the way that I was and how I acted in certain situations. And, uh, and so a lot of Mary's uh, episodes that are in the novel and her journey uh, to, to, of, of trying to determine their origins is, is parallel to my own. Um, I actually wrote an early draft of this novel uh, and it, it was entirely different, and it was published. It was published uh, probably in 2000 or 2001. And um, almost immediately when it was out, I felt there was something wrong with it. I just I wasn't pleased with how it turned out. And so over the years, I always thought, you know what, I, I'd like to revisit this. And so when I was finally diagnosed uh, in uh, 2011, uh, my therapist at the time, the psychologist and the, and the psychiatrist at the time, suggested I, I do, which is a pretty time-worn thing, which is write about your mental states, which is something I had already done. But then I, they suggested I actually aim it at a, at a certain project, something from the past. And so I took the, the original novel, and rather than and we're all writers, so we know this, and maybe many, many of your audience members do too, is that you know, you'll work from a draft and you'll, and you'll work uh, correcting the draft, adding to it, subtracting from it, and creating this new draft. Well, I didn't want to do that. What I did was I actually threw the entire project away, and I wrote the smallest universe entirely from memory. Right, without, re without referencing your previous work, you mean? Correct. Oh, wow. so I wanted to really get at the essence of the story and the essence of which was the struggle. And so I wanted this character somewhat to mirror my own sort of struggle, but also I wanted to, it to be a universal uh, sentiment that we all sort of struggle with, you know, our origins, like why am I the way that I am? Um, and I wanted it to be, to, for her to have it, as many ways as she wants. What I mean by that is when we go search for answers, some of us search in the secular realm and some of us search in the, in the scientific realm and some of us search in the, uh, uh, the spiritual realm. 
Well, I wanted to write a book that really had it uh, almost all those ways. I wanted uh, someone to read the book, and if they were spiritually inclined, to see the workings within the novel, and, or those who are more secular or scientifically uh, orientated, to find footing also in, in the book uh, that way. So uh, Mary's struggle it really evolves around her seeing her episodes as black holes. She sees these things as black holes, and there are moments where she's frozen, but there's like a million messages and sounds giving her clues as to what's trying to get her attention. Sure. So that's sort of where I moved into it. Sure. And I think it's interesting, you know, you know, we talk about childhood trauma, for example, is something that can, you know, the brain can sort of block those things out or, you know, repress memories or things that we, you know, choose to carve out of our own consciousness. You know, it's, it's a way for the brain to protect itself. And so I think it's really interesting that you've chosen the sort of that metaphor of, you know, a universal black hole with what for a person who's had trauma to be a universal black hole within their own mind, sort of almost setting up like the inner universe against the outer universe. If that sort of, I don't, yeah. and I don't know if that sort of applies or not, but that's sort of, as you're talking, like the, that's kind of like where my mind is going. That's exactly, Stephanie, that's exactly what I was trying to do, was I was trying to give something exterior to Mary and exterior to myself that all readers could look at and re sort of relate to or see or feel. Uh, because, you know, there's an expression in the, you know, in the, uh, in the autism community, in the spectrum community, and those with, uh, you know, disorders like myself, if you've met one person with a mental disorder, you've met one person with a mental disorder which means we are all uniquely uh, um, impacted by our disorders. Uh, and so um, to, to tell a story that was, that was specific to her and I, that used parts of myself, I needed to also make it universal enough. So I wanted people to, because there's a line in the book, which I, I love when I came up, uh, came up with it, was uh, she's speaking to her daughter and she's pointed to, she keeps a, she's kept a journal all her life, and uh, it's quite uh, close to her. It's her memory book. And she points to a page and says to her daughter, this is what it feels like. Because she's trying to, ex, ex, you know, take the interior and make it exterior for another person to, to understand it. And that's exactly, Stephanie, that's what I was trying to do, was I was trying to show, okay, if, if you can under, if you can sort of follow me and say, you know, here's these black holes that are very mysterious, and yet they do these, these awesome and, and powerful things, then that's the interiority of the character herself. That's what she's sort of feeling and, and dealing with. And so it, it kind of heightens the, um, uh, her, her, uh, I guess, her need to to figure out how to how to work, how to how to live with them because they're so they are so powerful. Right. When you choose to write from the perspective, I'm sorry, there is a choice I think here, and it's to and it's to make the the main character uh, a woman. Yes. Um, can you talk to me about the 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 decision to go with that choice? Yeah, and. Um, uh, well, I blame my sister. Look I, at all I, sisters. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I blame, I totally blame Denise and San. Uh, 
I, I grew up, I was very fortunate to grow up in a very large uh, Catholic family, a gregarious, loving family. And my sisters, uh, I'm very close to my sisters. And I had a very, uh, uh, my mother was very uh, much an influence in my life. And um, when I was, I was the baby of the family. So when I was growing up, I had an exposure, great, uh, far more exposure to my sisters and to my mother than I did to my brothers or my father. And uh, truly a lot of my friends, my best friends growing up in high school and university were, were females. Uh, I just felt, um, I felt a, uh, you know, a closeness there, but I, I, I really wanted to, uh, to write from that perspective, to give it some distance uh, from myself. Um, I didn't want to appropriate, uh, but I didn't want to, to be too close to myself. And, and I didn't think, th I didn't want to do necessarily a, a, a third person male character either I, I really wanted to focus on um the female experience also because uh culturally and historically this the sense of uh, of uh you know you know everything from the yellow wallpaper to you know um to any other sort of story about uh, females and and sort of uh, hysteria or mental illnesses or being misunderstood i i I wanted to sort of have that as well, is that um, when uh, when females uh, historically have have said, you know, this is happening or that that is happening, they've not been believed. And so I, I, I kind of wanted that extra element uh, of my character uh, because she she does not is not believed uh, when she's younger. And it takes almost her entire life to up to that point to to. Uh, to get at the truth. And so I kind of wanted that extra element. This idea of, you know, the reader knows that the character is not lying, um, but the other characters in the book don't believe them. That always sets up a very specific kind of tension, but I know that it can sometimes be um, difficult to make it a satisfying reveal when you, when it finally happens. And, when when you got to that point, did you feel that kind of relief yourself, or was that kind of built into your plan for the story? Uh, I felt ultimate uh, a great relief for for Mary that the answers that she was seeking uh, had an you know the, the questions she had and the and the mystery that was at the center of her of her being, she found uh, a satisfying, a somewhat satisfying, uh, if unfortunate, answer. And uh, so I think that gives both myself and readers hope that they too can uh, reconcile um, their issues, uh, that they can find resolution. Um, and it it did coincide, Tony, with my own sense of absolute relief in realizing, oh, this is why I am the way I am, or, or this is the way I act or have acted in the past, which is uh, to say, when I was given my diagnosis of a mental disorder, it explained so much, and I felt so much better. I felt so much better because I knew what I was dealing with. 
I knew then, okay, if you know what the disorder is, you know what the triggers are. And if you know what the triggers are, you can avoid the triggers and so on and so forth. So it mirrors what Mary's, you know, there's a sort of this hot, this balloon that the, re the revelation sort of pricks it in the, the air and the tension is released. And, 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 and I guess uh, having talked it through at this very moment, that's exactly hap what happened with myself. Mm. Is that yeah. once I once I understood, it, it just made total sense, and and then I knew what what I needed to do. Absolutely, to, to, yeah. You know. Something similar sort of happened to me. I was sort of diagnosed uh, late in life with attention deficit disorder, and so you know my whole life, you know, I'd always kind of explain like my brain operates like you know the you know, NASA control room where you have a TV on the weather and a TV on the rocket and a TV on all these things. Right. Like that's what it feels like to kind of sit in my head, you know? And I always didn't understand why it was so much harder for me to focus and concentrate and why, why my brain was the way it was from as a little kid all the way. And then, you know, as an adult, they were like, oh, this is what it's called. And this is how you can manage it. And this is how you can deal with it. It was suddenly like, there was a part of it that also I felt less alone because for so long yeah. I internalized why I felt like I had a broken brain, you know, and I internalized that. And so um, my question is like, does, is there some parts of you working through Mary and sort of kind of coming through, coming to those sort of inner understandings of your own way, your own brain works. Um, and then kind of watching Mary do that on the page. Was there, was it cathartic? Was it hard for you? Was, was it emotional? I'd say all three. And it, it definitely, the, the two run parallel. And it, she's, she struggles with, am I, is there something so terribly wrong with me uh, compared to others that it cannot be remedied? Can, can I never find out um, uh, how to live a quote-unquote normal life? Will I never be normal? Those are exactly the same things. Someone who's undi undiagnosed and sort of flailing about trying to figure out, you know, why they are who they are. Uh, my, my particular disorder is I, I'm, I'm bipolar too. Uh, there's actually um, uh, four slight variations of bipolar disorder. Um, the most common one is it used to be called manic depressive, and uh, where you have really high, really high highs and really low lows. Uh, bipolar two, which is what I have, uh, the the low the de depression can be low, but the highs aren't aren't as high. Um, but once you kind of understand these things, um, you can sort of live your life accordingly and come to have some acceptance uh, that uh, you know um, there are days when I'm going to be. Uh, really, kind of nonverbal and and, uh, and and pretty pretty down or depressed or blue, and there's going to be days when I can paint the house and cut the grass and write a epic sonnet. Um, so I, I just have to uh, realize that that is who I am, and it definitely mirrors. And it, so it, Mary's story is, in a lot of ways, just an, an analogy of my own sort of. Uh, journey, uh, you know, while I didn't have to go to a different country and determine uh, an incident, uh, I had to go into uh, uh, and get help from uh, the psychiatric community uh, to uh, 
which was a totally foreign country to me, and uh, and and come up with the right uh, answer, and then be able to say, you know, this is why I feel this way. Right. This is this is why. So I really wanted to marry those two things up, and I dedicate the book actually to my to my fellow disordered. I called them. Uh, um, I dedicate the book to the disordered like me. Um, you know, you're not alone. Uh, and when you realize you're not alone, that sense of, oh, gosh, will I ever be normal? Well, what's normal? And, you know, it, on, on what sort of line of neurodiversity do I do I fall? And uh, I've got lots of brothers and sisters on either side of me. So when you are getting ready to kind of you're going through it, let's say, for the final time and you're tweaking and you're tweaking, you're tweaking. Did you ever, were you ever worried that you had revealed things that you hadn't been comfortable revealing beforehand? Did you discover that, you know, where you're like, ah, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Did that, did that happen very often? <laughs> um, that happens more in real life. than <laughs> Like, uh, I, you know, I think we're famous. Uh, I think uh, we're famous for, did I say that? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stew about that for the about four days. Um, in the writing, I, I'm actually, sorry. Just for the record, that has never ever happened. Never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could go. I could go years. Did I actually? Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Actually, there, there's still episodes in my past where I go. You know, I wish my response had been better. Yeah, those are the ones that keep you up at night, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have this, uh, we have this reoccurring joke. It was Martin Scorsese. He did a commercial years ago. He's he's looking at uh, rolls of film. Uh, He's snapping pictures on this counter and he's looking at them. And he goes, just a minute. Then he calls up and he goes, he calls his his nephew. "Uh, Tommy, uh, this is your Uncle Marty. Uh, How would you like to have your fifth birthday again? (laughs) <laughs> and I, we always thought that was so funny because it's, you know, what the result is and what you expected are two different things and you want to go back and fix it. And, right. And, uh, and all that stuff. But um, to answer your question in terms of the, of the book, the big reveal for me or the big thing for me was I'm a rare writer that was able to go back and fix their debut novel. I never thought I would get the opportunity to do this, but it bugged me and it drove me crazy. And I really wanted to uh, have a, a, a corrected version of it because we all know what that means. As soon as you, something gets published, you open it and there on page 69 is a big old typo, mm. you know. But I also, there was things in the, in the original that I just thought, <clears throat> I wish I wouldn't, hadn't written. Right. right. You know, it's yeah. it's the equivalent. I wish I would ha- wouldn't have said that. And so I, I am so blessed. And <laughs> I, by this publisher who has said that it's OK, it's a beautiful story. It's a lovely story. We, we want to publish it because it, it you know, there's lots of places out there who will not, you know, they will reprint, let alone, you know, publish something that's been revised. Right, so, right. Um, just just along those lines, and this is as much for you guys as it is for our listeners. Um, my wife reads to me at night like I'm a four year old because I can't <laughs> I can't be torn away from a novel. So if she reads it, I can't spend three days not awake, not asleep while I'm reading the novel. And so two of the novels we've read recently, one was All the Light We Cannot See. Oh, great book. huge award winning book. The other one was called yep. The Terror. 
also another huge award-winning book. I think Daniel Simmons may have written it. It's a, it's a historical. It's anyway, huge book, big publisher, right. super, super, super popular. Millions of copies sold. When you read them out loud, there are still typos, and she found typos in those books, yeah. and yeah. that helps me get to sleep every night. Well, yeah, yeah, and there's a great example. There's a great example. Stephen King. Uh, you know, I, I love Stephen King. Uh, the guy is is probably got enough money that he can hire an army of copy editors. Bag of Bones, one of my favorite books of his, has 12 typos in it. Just happens. Nature to beast. It happens, folks. Yeah. <laughs> the, but I always the, sort of feel like if they if they make it to that point, they just they they deserve to live there. They get, you know, they, <laughs> they pass how many rounds and survive. Right, right. Like they just get to live there. You feel like they're less judged for stuff like that. Like right. you're not like Stephen King's an idiot. He can't spell, but right. you're totally gonna be like, oh, Tony Russo's a moron. A, he cannot <laughs> spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I and you know, and and uh I'm so thankful for readers who come up to me and don't say, you know, on page six, uh, there's, you know, or, you know, you got a grammatical error or something like that. Right. I'm an English professor for Pete's sake, <laughs> so it, it was e equally troublesome. But, you know, it was actually one of the major reasons why I wanted to redo my debut was um, uh, it's a long story and I won't get into it here, but I, I just the, the typos, I, I, I literally couldn't sleep when it first came out. I was crying. Uh, I have zero intention of reading my book once. I've read it ten I, times, I, 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 and that's it. Ten yeah, times yeah. is my is my max. But I think that's a I think that's a natural instinct that writers have because we're always maybe that's why we're always thinking about that conversation where we said that dumb thing because as writers, writing is really just rewriting, um, and and polishing and pulling it down. I think it was James Baldwin that said the the something about like the goal is to write a sentence as clean as a bone. So that's what we're always doing. We're always going back to rehone and, and carve it and shaping yeah. it up more and more and more. So I can certainly understand that instinct to want to take that first one. I mean, I, I mean, if given the opportunity, I would, I, I would consider it with, you know, my first book. Cause I pick it up now and I'm like, Oh, it's cringing, you know, but yeah. you know, they I, live and they, and then we, we've got to move on to other projects, you know? Well, there's actually, a, I'm actually a poet as well. My book prior to this, uh, I had my debut poetry uh, collection, Psalms and Stones, come out in 2019. And there's this great concept in poetry. Do you know, do you know what they call the very first poem in a book? No, the lead, L-E-D-E. -E. No, they call it the first pancake. First pancake, okay. Isn't that great? Because what you do is the first pancake is always the one you burn. It's always not that great. You're kind of testing the griddle out, and you, you know, and oh, it's you know, it's in, it's in the shape of an amoeba or something, and it just doesn't look appetizing. Well, they call the they usually call the pancake. It's a throwaway. It's the, it's the first pancake. So right. I kind of looked. I kind of looked at my first novel. And, wow, that's the first pancake. Mm -hmm. I want the pancakes again. Let me do the pancake again, please. Let me do it again. But yeah, there's a you know, I I think. Uh, I think a lot of writers are to a, to a degree perfectionists. And if you have a perfectionist uh, strain within you already, you look out. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you're never going to be done. No, it's no. just never going to be done. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'm with Tony. I, I I'm kind of in the book. I, I'm in the thing now where I'm an actor who doesn't want to see himself on, on, on film. Uh, I'm an audio guy. who doesn't want to hear his voice and I'm a writer. You know, I don't, think I want to read my books after they're done. I just yeah. want, to, want to move on and 
write other things, move on, it's time, you know? Yeah, it, it can be hard because, you know, we put so much of ourselves into what we do that it can be sort of hard to have to sit back and see that reflection. Um, so that, that, that can be a natural instinct too. Um, you know, it's exhausting. Writer, we're a strange I, I, breed. I tell you, writers are yeah. a strange breed of, of people. It's very strange. I, you know, it's, it's, it's very, I find it very draining. It's very draining. I love writing. I, I'm, 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 you know, that Csikszentmihalyi book called flow, Mihaela right. Csikszentmihalyi, his name's about this long. Uh, the flow is when you're in your time that just uh, is gone. You're in the zone when you're, I am when I'm writing, I'm just totally at peace. And speaking of writing, where, um, where can folks uh, find the smallest universe? Oh, good question. I actually did a video, a video to help people four places. You can buy it uh, at any bookstore. I've got a brief story. I wouldn't mind asking you guys about, but any bookstore you can walk in and say, The Smallest Universe, William Anthony Conley. Uh, it's distributed by Ingram, the world's largest distributor, so it'll get there within a week. Uh, so that's one. Two, you can order it right off the, uh, the, the publisher actually has a bookstore uh, online. Uh, the press is called Propertius Press. I'm gonna spell that, P-R-O-P-E-R-T-I-U-S Press. Now. When they accepted the book, I had to Google Propertius. You know Propertius, and so does Tony. He's the guy who came up with the expression, uh, Ab absence makes the heart grow fonder. Isn't that cool? He was a writer, a Roman writer. So Propertius Press, they have their own uh, um, online bookstore. So that's two. Three, Amazon, and four, Barnes & Noble. When they get... Uh, when they get uh, uh, into the system. Uh, last sure. I checked, they weren't there yet. Sure. All my, all my books right now, my past books, this is my, uh, of the published works, and I've done uh, one independent, uh, so self-published book myself. I did one. Uh, they're all online. They're all available at those, those outlets. But all I right. want to ask you is, um, how do writers, how do local writers work with local bookstores? Because the Gotta tell you. Yeah, so there's a. I can just sort of speak uh, personally from my from my recent book experiences. Um, there two there are two bookstores that have an online application process. Um, that would be Browse About in Rehoboth and Bethany Beach in Bethany Bethany Beach Books in Bethany. Um, they have a, a an online uh, you know submission process unless your publisher wants to reach out to them directly, which could be a thing. Um, but other bookstores like Sundial and Shinkatig or the Book Bin uh, down in Only Virginia, uh, the Greyhound in Berlin, as well as the Book Bin, uh, the Book Plate in uh, in uh, Chestertown. Normally, they do like a consignment split, so like a sixty forty split uh, with the author. But you know, just reach out to them. Um, you know, all the local bookstores here on the Delmarva Peninsula are owned by great people, so uh, just reach out to them. And okay. for you and also for people who are listening, um, a great way is to go in and buy a book that doesn't belong to you. Um, I've been I've been in the I've been in the process of talking to a lot of bookstore owners over the last couple of weeks for my own book. And one of the things when you know me, I just chat. Right. And one, one of the things one of the real frustrating things for a lot of the and I'm I'm. I'm booking my own national tour. Thank you very much. No one's coming. Right, right. I'm sleeping yeah, in a yeah. tent. But um, 
a frustration for books uh, for 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 a lot of um bookstore owners that I've spoken with is you know there's lots of writers that are really really want to have a signing but they don't shop there that's you know yeah, that's sad yeah you, and you have to you, you got to show yeah. your face at the yeah. place like you can't show yeah. up and say give me money give me money give me money and then never show up to buy yeah. a book you yeah. know um every time if you're if you're if you're an author when you buy something from Amazon you are undermining your own book sales. And if you're comfortable with that, like I needed to buy a $4 book and I needed it tomorrow, I got it at Amazon. And I'm like, right. well, then you can't complain when Amazon sends you 86 yeah. cents for the same book that the the uh, the Greyhound will give you $12 for, you know? And you know, you live in the you live in the universe you create. So walk into a bookstore and buy something and say, "Hey, I bought something." And you don't have to tell them, but you have to know in yeah. your heart. Like if if you are if you are a writer and you haven't walked into a local bookstore and purchased a book recently, and then I'm sorry for your trouble if they don't want to take your phone call. But you know yeah. why at least. You know exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I visited prior to the smallest universe coming out. Uh, I visited. Uh, Bibelon, is that how you pronounce it? And Lewis, and uh, Greyhound, and Bethany, and I, I, I actually stacked the books and the purchases that I made, um, and took an Instagram picture of it, and told, and 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 even a T-shirt from my bookstore that I had been at, and said to uh, to writers out there, this is what you have to do. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. It, supporting local means purchasing local, so they can have the, uh, you know, the. The bandwidth and the resources to to support you when you need it. Absolutely. Yeah, especially so, yeah. during COVID. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us about the smallest universe. I absolutely loved it. Uh, you guys were great hosts, Stephanie and, and Tony. And thanks everybody out there for listening. I appreciate awesome. it. Fantastic. Thanks. So, what's your story? It was produced by Saltwater Media an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit them at www.saltwatermedia.com. You can find the podcast page at sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com where we have links to the author's work and short bios and lots of other fun stuff. You can also reach us via email and social there. Tell your story.